right. Well, hello, everyone. I'm James Aaron, and this is Speculative Work, my author diary where I share my progress for the last week, things I've learned and mistakes I've made so that hopefully you don't make them too. This is episode 25, a milestone in the podcast, and it only took me two years to get here. (laughs) Um, This is the second podcast as I'm jumping back into a bit of a break, and I'm excited to keep these going weekly. Uh, as part of my ongoing process, that's really what this is all about is me being accountable and thinking on Monday about what I want to get done for the week and then following back up and seeing how I did. So this last week, uh, as a recap, it's been all about trying to get back into my previous series, the sentience wars with Mal Cooper. I think I mentioned during the last podcast that I jumped into another series with Jeff Cheney called galactic law. And that required learning a whole new intellectual property, a whole new universe writing in a a different way aimed at a different audience. And I've learned a lot of great things from working with those new editors, but now it's time to shift gears and get back into what I'd been writing before. And it's been a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. (laughs) And part of it is just, you know, I'm realizing how, how much I get into the characters that I'm writing. And I know there are, you know, people that can shift back and forth between characters, even within the same day. And I'm finding it's really difficult for me to do that. So this past week, I have kind of been just trying a lot of different things to trick myself into just getting back into the writing. And so I'll talk about some of those different methods I used, um, here in a bit. Uh, Some other things that happened this last week, I got a new monitor and a monitor stand for my office. When I was moving my computer out here from the bedroom where the stuff had been, the monitor tipped over and it was just an LED monitor. I didn't understand why this happened exactly, but there was a glass, a pint glass on the desk. The monitor hit the pint glass and that was enough to completely shatter the monitor. (laughs) Um, I got out in the office and I plugged it in and there was like this beautiful rainbow spider web all across the front of the monitor. So that was frustrating. But I did some research and I found a new monitor to have out here, which is, is pretty nice. It's 34 inches wide. It's like an extra wide monitor. So it'll allow me to have, um, I can have like two documents open side by side on it. And that's been really nice, but it also required, um, getting like a, a arm thing, you know, so I could hook that up on my desk and that required a little bit of surgery on the desk, but everything is working pretty well so far. Um, if anything, I'm just getting used to having all of this real estate because I was using a, an older monitor that was like a 19 inch or something. So it's funny how quickly you adjust. And I am now feeling very luxurious. <laughs> so that's been cool. I've been doing a lot of journaling and that's kind of what I do every day just to get the juices flowing. But I'm starting to feel like doing this free flow, you know, stream of consciousness, what's going through my mind is getting in the way of writing fiction. And that's something that I've been, I've been thinking about, but every day I've been doing it. I, I'm going to talk in a second here about a program I've been using called for the words, or it's a website and it's got some different milestones you can meet every day. And so journaling is a way to meet those milestones, but it also feels like I'm not accomplishing the goals that I want to accomplish. So I've been doing some thinking about that. Uh, I did do some reading. I read The Defenders by Philip K. Dick, and I did that for the classic science fiction podcast. 
And then I read a few different contemporary stories out of the most recent issue of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. It was good. I'm glad I did that. A couple of stories stood out to me for, uh, you know, interesting things that I'll keep thinking about. The Dick story was first published in 1953. So it had, you know, like a lot of his stories, it, it's got some dealing with like the Cold War and the Soviets and some of the thing, the way the characters just think about their personal lives is very different than we do now. So that was, that was interesting. I decided that I'm going to stick with public domain short stories for the classic science fiction podcast. And I kind of learned a lesson last week. So I, I've got a local authors group that I meet with and we were going to meet by zoom this time around because of the quarantine and as a way to kind of get myself into reading the stories more deeply, I decided I would read them out loud and record it. And then I thought, Hey, since I did that, why don't I just share those files with, uh, with the group? And some people weren't happy about that. They were not happy that I had recorded their stories. So (laughs) it was kind of a, it's a different philosophy than I have. I, you know, of course that was never meant for publication in any way, shape or form, but depending on your approach to publishing. And if you want to hold your words really close to you, that can be seen as a way someone's using your work. That is not how you would prefer it. And yeah, I should have asked beforehand. I I should have done that. I just didn't think it would be a big deal. Uh, But anyway, lesson learned for me. But one of the things that I was, when I first came up with the idea for the classic science fiction podcast, I was like, well, I'll read things that have not been republished or if they're at least 20 years old, like this is a way to promote an author and bring focus back on work that might not be getting any attention anymore, but people might not look at it that way. And there's plenty of good stuff that's in the public domain or interesting things I could search out that I've kind of been looking for. What I don't want to do is waste too much time looking for stories, but you know, I don't know, that could be another thing of interest to share, you know, when I find or, or even generate these lists of, of stories that are, are right are now in the public domain. So I don't know. I found some Cordwainer Smith, who's a writer I've wanted to read and never got around to it. So I found some of his stories. I'm going to read those and I'll keep plugging away at that. Um, I have to kind of keep reminding myself that that project is for me. And while it's something I want to publish out, out there so other people can, can enjoy and benefit from the stories, I also need to not get too wrapped up about wasting time, putting too much time into it, if that makes sense. So I will keep you posted on that. Um, I will say that the story I shared to my newsletter uh, got a, like more clicks than anything I've ever had in a newsletter <laughs> as far as clicks go. So that was cool. Um, I definitely am going to keep sharing this stuff to my newsletter because it's pretty obvious that people like it and got some benefit in it. Like nobody wrote to tell me they liked the story or not, but I didn't ask them to do that. So maybe I'll do some more of that in the future. Uh, let's see. Another book I read was um, The Secret Powers of the Author Mastermind by Jay Thorne. And that was a an interesting book. And if you're not familiar with what a mastermind group is, it, it it's kind of a, I don't know, in business, like if you've ever been part of the 2030 Club or Kiwanis or something like that, where, you know, local businesses come together and they oftentimes have a philanthropic purpose, but it's also a great way to network and meet people in your local area that know about business, you know, and 
a mastermind for writers is basically that kind of thing without the philanthropic idea. And often you pay to be part of it, but it's a way to be part of a group typically led by someone who has more knowledge than you do to kind of help you shortcut to that next level if you want to move up in your career. And so Jay does a good thought, good job of giving a history of masterminds, especially for authors or folks who've been focused on business. And then what he has learned from running masterminds and being part of them throughout his career. And there's a lot of good info in there as far as would it, would you benefit from that? Are you part of one now? What's the difference between a writer's group and a mastermind? Um, and I, you know, it's a quick read. It was really easy to read. And there was just a lot of good information that I wish, you know, I want to say it was like four years ago. I had a conversation with someone where they asked me if I was in a mastermind group and I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> and when I look back on it, like the writer's group that I spent a lot of time in, the Wordos here in Eugene, was kind of like a mastermind. And we certainly had several writers in that group who were well-published, award winners, um, but were also very focused on the t- traditional route. And that's basically what they were knowledgeable in. And so if you were looking for a group to help you advance your career as an independent author or a hybrid author, you know, a mastermind with someone that can help you do that. I think that would be money well spent. Um, and that's, you know, Jay does run these masterminds. So the end of the book had, you know, a little sales bit for, um, for his groups. I haven't looked into what the cost is for those, but it was, you know, that wasn't a big part. Like the book didn't feel like a hard sell. That was just a thing at the end. Like you would find in, you know, any number of nonfiction books that are also maybe part of a program. Um, I know that he's kind of shifting his focus toward leading groups like this. And I, you know, I used to, I used to think, man, these people are just selling things. Um, but now I, I, because time is short and we only have so much time, (laughs) I think there is value if you want to get to a certain place in paying someone for that expertise, just not paying crazy amounts of money. (laughs) But you know, things are just, they change so fast now that yes, you could search out that information on your own, or you could ask people. Um, but that could be money well spent depending on what you get out of that group. You know, I, I paid to be part of the wordos. It certainly wasn't a lot of money. Um, I paid in time for a long time (laughs) to be part of it and, and gave a lot of myself too and reading other people's work and giving them feedback and, and that kind of thing. But, but yeah, uh, secret powers of the author mastermind. And I'll put a link in the show notes for that. So you can check it out. Another book I started reading that I have not finished is Cover Your Book by R. Haskell, who is Rebecca Haskell. And she's a cover designer who has done a lot of stuff in the indie space and other graphics and things like that uh, for authors. And it so far, you know, I'm only a, probably a quarter of the way into it, but it's a well-organized book. It walks you through how, you know, why you would want to approach the Cover Your Book as as a thing that will sell your book, as opposed to a reflection of the book itself, which is a mistake a lot of people make. And then it's got some good case studies based on, um, you know, real world examples that she's dealt with so far. So I've been enjoying that book. I mean, it's, I'm not in a place where I can really benefit from that at this point, but I, it's information I wish I had had back when I was first starting. And I worked with some cover artists where I, (laughs) I know I made these mistakes in trying to get things out of them you know, as far as marketing to the genre I was trying to hit, where I wanted the cover artist to know what needed to be done. 
And she talks about that, you know, in some cases, the artist does know and is a student of what will be successful in any given genre. But that's not always the case. So you as the author need to know those things. So you know what to look for when you are commissioning someone to do a job for you. And that's also what it is. I'm, I'm hoping she's going to get into the, the business aspects of it. And I, in interacting with her on Facebook and whatnot, I'm, I'm pretty sure she will because she's a, a professional. And that's one thing I appreciate about the book is that it has a very professional focus that uh, you have to know what to ask for. You have to ask the vendor um, or give the vendor direction in order to get what you want and then not be frustrated when you didn't give the information and you got back something that wasn't what you wanted or didn't get the sales that you wanted. So cover your book by R. Haskell and I'll finish that up this week and talk about it some more uh, probably next week. And then I'm while I'm walking my dog, I just started listening to Goliath by Matt Stoller, S-T-O-L-L-A-R. And the sub line on that is the hundred year war between monopoly power and democracy. And the way I found Matt Stoller is he wrote a blog post that was about private equity in the health industry and how, you know, one of the things we're seeing during the quarantine right now is hospitals are still cutting staff. They're still cutting costs in some places, hospitals, you know, because other services have been slowed or stopped completely by the quarantine, um, hospitals can't, are not staying afloat. And so they're making cuts and this is, seems crazy on the surface, but it turns out that, you know, a lot of the healthcare industry has been bought up by private equity, which, you know, has that focus on the bottom line or putting a lot of debt on a corporation that didn't have it before. So they have to make payments back on this debt. And so that was, that was really interesting. I wasn't aware of that. I knew that, you know, because of my background with retail and I've studied the retail industry quite a bit, um, through target. And then this just happened with Toys R Us where Toys R Us was bought. The corporation had uh, a lot of debt put on it, which it couldn't pay back. And then it went bankrupt. And this, this happens all the time with hedge funds and different companies. Um, Neiman Marcus, it's happening right now. Sears, it happened. You know, they went through a lot of different weird buyouts and, you know, the, the company took on debt, uh, through a hedge fund process. And so we're with private equity. And so I don't know that that was interesting to me. So I wanted to check out his book and this is, you know, so far it's basically just the history of kind of a battle between the government and corporations. And I'm only a couple chapters into it. So I've only gotten to like 1925 and president Harding at this point, but it's, it's interesting stuff. I haven't read a lot of history recently. I did a couple weeks ago. I read a book about Ernest Hemingway and his first, the years between when he started writing professionally and then came out with the sun also rises, you know, which that time frame was 1900 to 1925. Well, his life lifetime, he was writing sun also rises from when he was like 22 to 2024, I think. But anyway, it's, it's interesting to go back and read something about government and politics. And then also read about this other thing where all these American artists were leaving the U S because it was cheaper to live in Europe than it was to live in the U S during this time, because you know, France's economy was terrible leading into world war one. So anyway, I'll, uh, it's an interesting book. It's kind of heavy stuff, but it's relatively interesting to, to read about. And I'll keep you posted on, on how that goes. As far as my writing went, I wrote 6,000 words, um, give or take last week. 
like I was saying, a lot of that was journaling. I did write about 3,000, no, 2,000 words on the novel project. And a lot of that was just kind of forcing myself to write some stuff. But words finally started flowing yesterday and that felt really good. And I'll be jumping into more today. So I feel like the engine is finally starting to kick in. And a lot of time that's what it feels like. Like I'm just pulling a pull cord trying to start that engine over and over and over again. And sometimes it sputters and feels like it's going to kick, you know, and then it dies and runs out of gas. So just keep, just keep going. Um, yeah. And the tool I've been using to do that is for the words.com. And that's the number for the words.com. And basically what this website is, it's like a role-playing game for writers and you make a character and you can fight monsters and the monsters give you different things by either word count or time writing, um, like hands on the keyboard, just writing. And if you stop typing, um, for a certain amount of time, the monster, you know, you'll lose the battle. And then it, it follows a little path, which quite honestly, I, I hadn't really been paying much attention to the story. I just pay attention to the monsters and, and you get, you earn little things for your character, like clothing and treasure and whatnot. But what's nice about it is it just allows you to lay out like, okay, I'm going to fight these six monsters. That will be 5,000 words and I'm going to work my way through that. Or if I'm really struggling, I can break it down to like there are monsters that are just 200 words or write for five minutes and don't take your hands off the keyboard. And so that has been helpful, but it also, that's where that stream of consciousness journalism, uh, journaling gets in the way because yeah, it's pretty easy just to sit there and like, blather about what's going through my mind that's not getting fiction out which is what i need to do but otherwise i would really recommend it's it's just fun and it's not terribly expensive like it's it's like four dollars a month um and they run if you did nanorimo i think it might have elapsed at this point but if you do nanorimo you can get coupons for the website which make it a lot cheaper so check that out i've i found it pretty useful and if you search for James Aaron on there, you can find me and we can be friends and then see how each other are doing <laughs> in our various little battles against the monsters. Okay, so let's talk about getting back in the series and what what I've been doing to force myself to do that. I was having a block when it came to reading the previous novels. And part of that was I still can't get out of my editor mode and I want to keep changing things continuously. So it was hard to like, that was just taking a lot of time. What I did to force myself not to edit was to read out loud. That was time consuming. So I just chose some key chapters and read those out loud. And that, that helped me quite a bit. These books are not in audio. If I, I know other writers have listened to their books in audio when they have that available. And that can be really helpful, I think as a way to turn off your editor brain. So I did that. I, I read them out loud, different chapters on the, on the previous book. And I'd already written about 20,000 words into this one when I took a break to start Galactic Law. So read back through that as well, read it out loud, and finally started feeling like the characters and the setting were clicking back for me. I wrote character summaries for each of the characters on where they were at, what they wanted, where they needed to end when the book ended. Uh, I rewrote the overall series summary for the book and the series. So I had that back in my mind and that, that really helped. Like by the time I was doing those things and felt like I had the characters, like where they were, where the pieces were on the board, what the characters were thinking and feeling, what they wanted, then it started feeling like the words were coming. And so 
I'll let you know how this has turned out. I feel like I keep having to go back and look at those things again to get, to capture that thread back, like that bit of that spark that keeps the words coming. And this is where, you know, the writing feels like work. Like it's so difficult to focus and get those words out and feel like I'm, I'm moving ahead toward the direction that I want to be going. And if I procrastinate for even a little bit, and then, you know, I've got my two-year-old daughter that she wants to come knock on my office door and it's the cutest thing ever, but it's frustrating. Like if I, if I lose that focus, I feel like I've finally started to get somewhere and I lose that focus and then it's gone and I, it takes forever to get back into it. So yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep plugging away (laughs) because then I need to get back into the next book. I need to finish the next galactic law book and I want to finish up that series so I can move on to the next thing. I guess one thing to mention is that Variant Publishing has offered me a series in, under my own name. I think I may have mentioned that last last time, which I'm really excited about doing, not doing a co-authored series. We did some, like I've written an outline for that series and we threw out some cover concepts last week to get an idea what those covers might look like. And so um, the publisher is going to start talking to some artists and I'm really excited to see what kind of stuff might come back because... What I'm doing, I guess just to kind of let the cat out of the bag, it's it's going to be sort of based on the idea of Conan the Barbarian, but in a far future. <laughs> Very much in the same vein as Star Wars The Old Republic, but with a more brutal and gritty kind of feel to it. So I'm really excited to get into this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think peop- the readers will have a lot of fun with it too. Um, like everything, we're kind of mapping out, you know, a three book art, arc to start with. And then if that keeps, if that works, then, you know, things can keep going from there, but I'm excited to get, to get into that. I've been reading a lot of Robert Howard. It's not, not this last week, but previously, and he is the original author of, of Conan. Um, and even those, even though those stories came out a hundred years ago, almost at this point, they are great. Like I really enjoy reading his writing. There's so much vibrancy and passion in it. And you really just feel the characters and, um, and you're down there in the, the mud and the grit and the blood with them. And I love that stuff. So I'm excited to write some things that are like that. Okay, I think that's about everything as far as updates for this week. Again, I'm there are a lot of things I feel accomplished about from last week, but I have not been making as much progress as I wish I had. So I'll keep you updated on how things go for this next week. Really, it's time just to pour on some word count and get this, this story knocked out. I know what needs to happen, so now it's just a matter of getting the words out. So, okay, until next time, thank you for listening. I appreciate you checking in, and I will talk to you next week. (laughs) 